are there foods for happy mood? Sometimes it gets confusing to find the right information or reliable information. So let's learn from Dr. Uma. She's a pioneer in nutritional psychiatry, so you can choose right food for a happy mood. Hello friends, if this is the first time you're watching me, I am Dr. Rosina and with me is Dr. Uma Naidu. Hi Dr. Uma. Hi Dr. Rosina, it's so great to be here talking to you. Good to see you too. To, uh, we are you are watching Happy and Healthy Mind. This program's purpose is to bring practical and simple information to help you keep a happy and healthy mind. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Uma. She is a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, a professional chef, and a nutritional specialist. She's a director of nutritional and lifestyle psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital and a faculty member at Howard Medical School. And she is the author of the book, this is your brain on food, which is coming out in a few weeks and it's available to order right now. So many times, you know, there's so much information out there about food and mood and gut brain uh, connection, but there is still a lot of conflicting information and we're always getting confused in terms of what to hear and what not to hear. And so today we are going to hear from the pioneer in this medical field. And as always, just know that uh, the resources uh, discussed in this program, uh, you can get by texting word joyful to to number 38470 and just know that all the things that we discuss over here are for educational purposes and should not be considered treatment so let's go ahead and start so dr umar can you please tell us why it is so important for us to know what foods to eat sure so that's a great question dr Ruzin, and I'm, I'm happy to share some of this with with you and with your audience you know, I think that we've often heard this expression, oh, you are what you eat, but we don't really think about it more than it. And um, it's really about the gut-brain connection and the fact that what we eat impacts how we feel. And it happens through several mechanisms. So what I work with individuals around is using nutrition and nutritional strategies to feel better. And sometimes it's simple tweaks to their diet or what they're doing to eat to, to really impact how their mood is or how their anxiety or other conditions may be. And that's really the, what we are trying to do. Wonderful. So can you share an example of how it impacts a person's mood and um, health? Sure. I, I was treating a female executive a few years ago, and she had gotten this great promotion at work and was traveling more, spending less time at home, and therefore not eating as many of her meals at home. She was diabetic and she wore a Dexcom monitor. And every time she'd come into my office for a visit, the, this monitor would beep and she would need to check you know, her blood sugar and then have a snack. What was happening is she explained that when this happened at work, she was getting unhealthy snacks or going to the work cafeteria or the vending machine even. Because her life had become, you know, while she was doing very well career-wise and being successful, she, her lifestyle had changed. She's not eating, she's eating at airports, she's eating processed food, she's getting food on the go. And over 18 months, she had become fatigued, had brain fog, she was feeling more anxious, she was sleeping poorly, she couldn't, she felt she couldn't control her appetite. So we really worked on a on a very personalized individual plan for what she needed to do to improve her diet. And we did with this this with her over time. And as she started to make really good changes, including fresh whole foods even frozen fruits and vegetables, as long as they didn't have added salt, sugars, um, and, and syrup in them. 
were important to include back in her diet. She learned about meal preparation, making foods that she could prepare ahead and keep frozen so that when she got back from a late flight, she could have something at home to eat. And learning to pack healthy snacks that were brain healthy to go to work. And, you know, things like healthy nuts, healthy source of fats, a fresh piece of fruit. And all of this we managed in collaboration with her diabetologist so that over time she lost weight, she started to feel better. But a lot of that had happened over time with this new job. And, you know, it, it was something to recognize that she needed to, that she needed to start changing to start feeling better again. Wonderful. So she lost weight, she controlled her diabetes better and no side effects and enjoyed the food. And she's wonderful. That is inspiring. I'm sure everybody listening to us would feel inspired. Please give us a, some uh, some uh, comments in the feedback. So we know that you are listening to us and it is helping you. So let me take uh, go to the next question is, you know, it is kind of a, a little unusual or special what you do. Can you tell us what do you do and why do you do it? Of course, I'd be happy to. So I'm a nutritional psychiatrist. And what I do is, is my background is slightly different. I, you know, I'm trained in, in psychiatry. And I also went to culinary school. So I'm a trained professional chef and I studied nutrition. But for me, these came together in a very organic way. It wasn't planned, but it was work that I was very interested in doing. And good, through some mentorship and advice that I got from some of my some of my seniors, I was able to start this clinic to really focus in on what we know about food and, and really putting together the science behind it, which, which is what I've done in my book. It ends up that there's a lot more evidence that we can use in an effective and helpful way. Because if you think about it, unless someone is allergic to a food or can't tolerate it because they have a condition, a medical condition, they really can embrace foods and include better options in order to feel better. So what we try to do is work around the different conditions and talk about food that you should eat and that you should avoid. And that's essentially the work that I do in my clinic, but each plan is really highly personalized because we know that the gut microbiome is so unique. Um, so each person, you know, we have to figure out something that will work for them. And, and that's what I do in a nutshell. Wonderful. So what kind of problems do you see people have? People may, may get referred by the uh, primary care physician, by another specialist. They may, you know, read, read a blog and, and hear about this and want to learn more and call in for a consultation. So we see a, a wide range of, of conditions. Um, but, you know, in, in psychiatry, you know that everyone doesn't fall into a diagnosis or a diagnostic criteria. So some people are not feeling good. They don't know what's wrong. For example, someone who had been on multiple trials of antibiotics for a persistent uh, infection. She knew from reading that her gut was impacted. So she was referred by her infectious disease doctor to come and see me. So these referrals come in all different um, forms, but often they're presenting with a symptom that is also mental health related. So do the people with psychiatric problem have special challenges? They do, you know, and I think that that we know from research that uh, individuals who are diagnosed with a mental health disorder also struggle more with medical issues. There's a very high level of comorbidity. And for that reason, you know, there's this overlap. And I think it becomes even more important because they may have side effects from medications. Their side effects may lead to medical conditions. They may have a metabolic side effect of a medication. 
And you know, in in as a as a resident and as a trainee, though that's some of what caused me to go into this. As I learned about the medications, I felt that I want people to feel better. I want them to feel healthier. There are many forms of treatment, but you know, if I'm going to treat them with these medications, I also need to provide other mechanisms that they can work with the side effects that they might experience and use lifestyle measures. Because I really think that psychiatry, for me, is a holistic practice, but it's looking at all sorts of different forms of treatment that integrate with nutrition, but also important, it's an integrated and functional approach. So I'm always looking for a root cause, like I gave in these examples. Wonderful. So what is actually this gut-brain connection or food and mood connection? I like how you describe that. So the, the gut-brain, you know, from, from before we are born, um, the gut and brain are connected just from how our cells form in, in the body. And then the, as we develop this and are born, there's a vagus nerve that anatomically connects the gut to the brain. And I like to describe this to the people that I work with as a it's like a it's a it's like a two-way highway that works on in an ongoing way because it connects these two organs, but there's also a physiological and a biochemical connection. And the other important thing is that serotonin is the happy receptor. So people know that things like fluoxetine or sertraline are medications called SSRIs. Well, more than 90% of the serotonin receptors are in the gut. So if you think about it, what you eat goes to your gut and gets processed. And that then will have an impact on whatever is metabolized and the impact of hormones or neurochemicals that travel up and down to the brain. And that there is probably the easiest way of explaining that connection. That's wonderful. So if everybody knows that, you know, food is connected with mood and your physical health, why doesn't everybody take make the right decision and why why we have hard time making those decisions well you know if, if, i think it's a great question i think every one of us including me struggles with making the right choices it's 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 a path and it's a journey towards health for every single one of us and i you know i think that the way that i'd like to frame the answer to this and think about it is i say to my patients or the clients i work with find a day of the week that you, whether you're alone or with your family, whoever, whatever your situation is at home, that you have a treat day. So if you you like ice cream, you know, on that day, make sure you have, you know, a bowl of ice cream or whatever it is. Don't eat the whole cup, but have some. Enjoy. Thank, thank you for allowing me to eat ice cream. <laughs> I choose your favorite flavor, you know, but don't eat the whole tub. Have that portion. And then, you know, the next meal or the next day, you know, go back to those healthy foods that we're trying to encourage. Because if you move it out of your diet, you never have it. You're going to crave it and you're going to then really want to eat that whole tub. So I, I do believe that people have to do it in moderation and they should start with some healthy habits that they can change. But don't give up all of the foods, just eat less of it because we know from brain science that. If you're eating the ice cream every night and you're eating tons of it and you're eating the, the processed foods and the foods with the bad oils and the extra sugar, it is over time going to affect your brain. It's going to do it through the, the gut-brain connection that we understand. Research is changing and evolving all the time, but we do know at the least that inflammation gets set up in your body, which is not good. It's not good for you for mental health and it's not good for your physical health. Wonderful. So are there, you know, we talk about practical examples in these programs so our audience can make the change right away. So what are some of the foods we can eat to 
for happy mood, for better energy and feeling more vibrant. Absolutely. You know, it starts off with some simple recommendations. And I, I, I would like to say to people that, you know, a lot of doctors will say to you, or your nutritionist, your dietitian, start with these foods. And I want to explain to people why we say it, because a lot of in the media and magazines, you know, you know the healthy things. I don't want people to roll their eyes and say, oh, every doctor says that. There's a lot of information we now have about why we should include things like fruits and vegetables in our diet and whole foods. We know, I'll start off with, you know, the processed foods, the highly sugared foods, the, the, the foods that have the unhealthy oils in them and the fried foods, those things really drive depression. They worsen anxiety. They make our symptoms worse. They lead to low energy. People feel brain fog. They feel fatigued. But if you start to change that by doing things like including prebiotic and probiotic foods in your diet, by you know embracing fruits and vegetables, by having healthy servings of these, like I said earlier, they could be frozen. It's it's fine as long as there's no added no added sodium or syrup or sugar to them. Especially at a time like now, keep some frozen veggies in your in your refrigerator, some frozen blueberries that you can put into a smoothie. Embrace those whole foods. And I like to challenge my patients. I like to say, you know, one day, how many colors of different fruits and vegetables can you have? And how many different types? So in a whole day, count them and kind of challenge yourself. Can I improve that? Because those healthy ideas and those concepts, why am I saying colors? The different colors mean there are different phytochemicals and phytonutrients, which are flavonoids, carotenoids, all in your fruits and vegetables that are going to be good for your brain. So even that little challenge of yourself is improving what you can do in terms of your diet. But it's the fiber in the fruit and vegetables and beans, nuts, and seeds that you, you get in those foods, but you don't get them in, um, say, uh, in meat products or in, in seafood. You do get them from fruits and vegetables. So whatever your diet is, add in fruits and vegetables because the fiber is going to make your gut happy. And a happy gut is a happy mood and good energy. So think about it that way. That's wonderful. Yeah, one of our previous programs, I talked about uh, using at least five uh, different colors of fruits and vegetables throughout right. the day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So because you know, and and food is when we disc when when we did a wellness program, wellness habits program, we talked about how food, sleep, exercise, exactly. social connectedness, and mindfulness are five wellness practices that have actually shown to decrease depression and anxiety by 30 to 40%. Absolutely. 30 to 40% decrease in symptoms of depression and anxiety by just doing these five wellness practices and food being one of the most important ones. So thank you for that information. What about you were earlier when we were discussing, we were talking about turmeric and black pepper. Sure. What, uh, how do they help? Sure. So in addition to the foods that I mentioned, there's sort of basic basic steps to start improving. There are also things to improve and to include and to avoid. Always include, if you can, turmeric and a pinch of black pepper. Why do I say that? Because there's a significant amount of evidence behind the use of turmeric because it's a spice that you can, if you don't cook with it, add it to smoothie or add it to soup. And the curcumin in turmeric, which is the active ingredient, gets activated by a pinch of black pepper. So even if you're putting it in a smoothie or a soup, put a quarter teaspoon, put a pinch of black pepper, and that will do your body good and do your brain good. There's a lot of evidence for it in both anxiety and depression. I think it's a healthy food to include. We talked a lot about different spices in the book. 
And, you know, I can say, I can say across the board that the spices we talk about are all on the good side of the foods you should embrace, um, not on the ones you should avoid. But here's something that, you know, people don't realize when they have processed meats. You know, a lot of us get lunch meats for our, our lunch the next day. A lot of the processed meats and a lot of processed foods have nitrates, and nitrates actually worsen your mood. So that's just a little tip to try to, again, get you, get you started in the right direction and why we say, you know, stay away from these foods. A lot of people know the, the facts, but they don't know the science behind it. So in our depression program, we were talking about the relationship of inflammation yes. with, with both, both depression and other mental illnesses and physical illnesses. So how is the inflammation related to use of these foods that you're talking about? Do sure. they decrease the inflammation or how do they... The food, the food, the positive foods or the foods in the book that we talk about, the foods to embrace, are the foods that will help to lower inflammation over time. Like the individual I talked about at the beginning, you know, including those actually helped to lower the inflammation. And I also want to say, as we do that, we always do that in consultation with that person's doctor. It's not just, oh, take this diet and go and do it. It's all, especially if someone has other medical conditions, you want to do it carefully. Because there are ways that, you know, you don't want to suddenly change your diet, but you want to pay attention to that production of inflammation because it will improve your mental health symptoms, but also any physical symptoms or medical conditions by reducing the inflammation. That's wonderful. So let me ask this question to audience. So we have a few people watching. Why don't you enter in the comments? Do you guys use turmeric and black pepper regularly in your food? Put yes or no. And while we are getting the responses from the audience, Dr. Uma, can you tell us what will happen if we do not watch what we are eating and focus on how it is affecting our brain health? Sure. So, you know, if, if you take the example that I, I discussed someone at the beginning of this program, you know, I think that it's, it's all about that long-term effect. The day that you eat a bowl of ice cream, you're going to feel good. We know from science and from neuroscience that actually serotonin is, effect, is affected in a good way. You feel good. And anyone can attest to that. The problem is the longer-term effects on the brain. And what that, the reason that we want to include healthy foods, whole foods, as much as you can, avoid the bad things is because there's a setup of inflammation. We bring back, when we talk about the colors of foods and phytonutrients, we are actually bringing back antioxidants into the diet. So by including those foods, you are, you are working in a positive way for your gut health and your brain health. So it's like, like you referred, Dr. Rosina, to sleep and mindfulness and all these components. It, it really is a holistic model. It's not just one thing, but food is a very important component. And since we all have to eat, it's the one thing we can all do immediately. We, we right. can make a change at the next meal. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, one major change that happened when I started drinking more water, because like, you know, long, long day at work, you'd forget mm -hmm. to drink water. And so when I was uh, forgetting to drink enough water, I was like really feeling tired and mm -hmm. not feeling, you know, and when you're tired, you feel grumpy. You do. You feel grumpy. Uh, you feel grumpy. And I have a great tip for your audience. People always say, well, how much water should I drink? And, you know, we have different recommendations and that kind of stuff. And we were talking earlier about we get all of this information. But I have an, a, a, an easy rule of thumb for people, which is, you know, say your weight is 130 pounds. You divide that in half, that's 65. And then you divide it in, you do take that number and you divide it into ounces. And that's the number of cups of water you should have. 
So about eight ounces in a cup and about 65 ounces is about eight glasses of water. So if you try to do that with your weight, it's an easy guideline to help you understand the amount of water you should be drinking just to keep your body hydrated because food, medications, none of these things work well if we're not hydrated. That's that's right. And so what I started doing was I have this 16-ounce bottle. So yes. then now I have the measure that I have to drink four of these bottles. That's right. So one yeah. before breakfast, one before lunch, one before dinner, one yeah. before sleep, and I get 64 ounces of water. When, whenever I forget, I end up drinking maybe just two. <laughs> but whenever I, <laughs> whenever I remember, <laughs> I end up drinking a little that's, bit. And more. that's great because the moment it's empty, you you know now you've got to fill it up for the next. That's right. That's right. Well, I just want to also uh, say thank you for everybody who's entered their answers in the comments. So we got a bunch of people who use these spices regularly and some people who don't. Well, uh, if you're using, good job, continue. And if you're not, then start using. <laughs> All right. And so where can people get more information about you, your book and your resources? Sure. So the book is available anywhere online that books are sold and it's also in stores where they're open. Uh, but umanaidumd.com is a website. You can sign up with us and uh, there's more information about an event that we're also going to have, a virtual event that we're also going to have in August and we'll give you more information. That's wonderful. And as I said earlier, actually last time when we were talking about how people can get all the resources that we are sharing, people had questions. So here I had a little uh, video for you. So you can text on this number 38470 word joyful and you'll get the link to the resources and so you'll also get the link to dr uma's she's going to actually share a turmeric guide so when you go to her website and you sign up she would send you a turmeric guide that can help you decide where and how to use this spice anti-inflammatory spice so now it's time for questions if anybody has any questions at this time please add them to the comments so we can answer those questions and while people are putting the questions dr uma do you have any take-home message so i you know, people always say to me, what's one piece of advice you can give them? And I thought about this long and hard because there's so many different things one could say, right? You could, you could give examples of how to drink water, all sorts of things. I think that when it comes to food, I would say none of us is perfect. We, we are all on a journey to better health. And I think if it's something you know in your diet that you're not doing right, you're eating too much candy or you're having too many cookies or too much packaged food, ice cream or pizza, whatever it is that's your... That's your, you know, your secret uh, food that you like. Try to cut it down. You know, try to have it once a week and try to, to build in the healthy foods that we've talked about because it's going to help you over time. And if you can change just one thing, one habit of yours that is not working and stick with it, that in itself will get you on that journey to better health and better brain health. So I would say think about what it is. For each person, it's different and cut back on that and try to add back healthy foods uh, and you'll be on your way. Wonderful. So we have a question coming up. Do psychiatric medication affect a healthy gut state? So, you know, the, what, what, the best way to answer that is the psychiatric medications, a lot of them work through serotonin and serotonin receptors are in the gut. So yes, there is an impact in the gut. And one, one of the ways that you might understand that 
is two things, that people initially when they prescribe a medication that is psychiatric, like I said, many, it depends on the one that you're taking, but many of them work through serotonin. And the ones that do, someone might initially have some gastrointestinal symptoms, as I will tell my patients. And so there is that impact. I think that the longer term effect is really something you would need to discuss with your doctor. Because if you've noticed that, for example, you've gained weight, you want to discuss that with your doctor because there may be other reasons. You may be stressed. There may be other things going on. But the short answer is yes, and, and you can find out more from your doctor. And so you can take steps to counter that. So like, you know, exactly. if, you, if you do, if you do have to take the medication that keeps your mood better and healthier, mm -hmm. then you may want to kind of add certain foods to combat any of the potential exactly. uh, negative That's effect. A, exactly. That's a great point, Dr. Rosina, because, you know, one of the things we didn't say um, in, in the, as we spoke was that nutritional interventions are not for someone severely depressed, psychotic, or, you know, acutely suicidal um, or manic, for that example. Those food can be used as adjunctive treatments and measures at that point, but, you know, a person might need to be hospitalized or need medications. So it, it's always in conjunction with everything else. Yeah. Like in one of the programs on depression, we did that. There were like five lines of defense against depression. <laughs> the first, li first line is the lifestyle changes. So yes. nutrition would be your first line of defense where even when you don't have depression, when you eat proper food, you can prevent depression from happening. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, the second line of defense is your stress management and kind of food that you eat can increase or decrease your stress. So again, food plays an important role on how you manage your stress because when people are stressed, they're eating excessively or not eating on time and stuff like that. So just eating on a regular time and eating healthier food can also help with the second line of defense. The third line of defense is medications to decrease the depression and so you don't go jump to the medication before you have tried these lifestyle changes and but when you do need the medication then you take the medication and you continue these lifestyle changes to have the overall improvement in your health and health. Exactly. exactly and then you know fourth line is the advanced treatment and fifth line is hospitalization when when people do need or and psychotherapy sorry i missed one <laughs> so psychotherapy is an important because i have a lot of patients who would just eat emotionally that's it that's when they're it. anxious exactly. they're eating more when they're depressed they're eating more or they stop eating exactly. and so there's a lot of association of eating with the mood and your state of illness so Absolutely. we have to adjust to the stage and but of course healthy eating pattern is part of each stage it's part of that absolutely uh, i have an, another question coming up and can you suggest some recipes so it turns out that um, the book actually has a whole chapter of recipes. And what we do is we match the recipes with, with the book chapter. I like to suggest um, simple things to people because it, people cook at different levels. And I like to say, learn to make, we talked about the number of fruits and vegetables you can get into your diet, um, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, and the biodiversity of that and the biodiversity of the microbiome. So start with a healthy salad and both from there, you can always add in if you, Say you're plant-based, you can add in chickpeas as your protein. Now you can add in tofu or other foods. And then, you know, I like to add turmeric to, to everything that I cook. So one of my favorite things to do is to now take a cauliflower steak and you can do the same thing with a piece of uh, chicken, a chicken breast or a piece of like, or even a piece of salmon for that matter. All salmon is really rich in omega-3. It's good for depression and anxiety. 
And what I do is I actually use turmeric and I make my own marinade, like you would for a, a tandoori chicken or you would for chicken tikka masala, but I put it on corn flour. And I, I try to you know, improve the flavor of these things. And if someone else wants a piece of chicken at home, we can do that as well. So it's a way that you can use these good foods, good spices. Often the marinade has yogurt, which is a good prebiotic for you. Uh, sorry, good probiotic for you. And that's a good way to get in some good food. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Uma. We learned so much. We not only learned how the food and mood is connected and this gut-brain connection, but we also learned some practical advice on what food to eat and what to avoid. Uh, if you guys got any value out of this program, please uh, show us in the comments, give us some likes, and just know that uh, the purpose of this program is to help more than a million people feel happier and healthier. So anybody who can benefit from this program, please share. Our next program is on overcoming the shame related to mental illness. And so please join us next week, Saturday at 11 o'clock. Same, same place. And so before we end our program, if anybody has any other questions, please let us know at this time and let us end our program with our special. So our special today, I thought we can just do the mindful eating. So how many people do practice mindful eating? Dr. Uma, do you try to practice mindful eating? I, I try my best. I try to try my best to shut off my phone, shut off the television and be sitting at the table of the family. You know, I, 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 I try to practice that. Don't all, doesn't always work. Sometimes my pager goes off, but you know, I, I, I try to do what I can. That's that's so true. Like, you know, all of us try to do it. And sometimes it is hard, even for people who teach, like, you know, it is hard for me. So Absolutely. I have to remind myself that's for right. doing that. So what is mindful eating? Well, mindful means being present in the moment and experiencing whatever is happening non-judgmentally and intentionally. So whenever, so next time when you are going to eat your food, make an intention of eating mindfully. Observe whatever is happening outside you and inside you. As you're moving to go get your plate and putting the food, put the right food in your plate mindfully. What you're putting, put all those colors that you want to put. Make the plate healthy, have the balance of you know, the protein and the carbohydrates and fruits and vegetables and your water. And, and when you start eating, when you take the bite, use all your senses, see what you're, what you're eating. And as you're bringing it to your mouth, the smell, because when you smell the saliva is coming out in, in, in your mouth and it's, it helps you with the digestion as you put it in the mouth. And as, as you start chewing, uh, hear that crunchiness, feel that taste going in your mouth and enjoy each bite fully. As you are eating, you're enjoying and your mind is also calming down. So it's fulfilling two different purposes. And so, and then eat, chew the food properly and allow it to get down in your throat and in your body before you put the next bite. And so when you would eat like that, uh, with full intention and full enjoyment, not only you would increase the happiness in your life and you would be able to digest that food better. So these are all the benefits of mindful eating. So next time, try to eat your food mindfully. And thank you for joining and see you next time. Stay ha safe, happy and healthy. Uh, thank you, Dr. Uma. And thank you, everybody, for attending. Thanks so much, Dr. Rosina.